0: Hi there, my name is Dr. Pragenta and I'm the host of the Dr. Nurse Podcast. I'm an advanced nurse practitioner, and I wanna be your guide into the world of nursing professions. This podcast is a platform for nurses to share their journeys as they made their way in the diverse field of nursing as either entrepreneurs, academia, private practice, or even the corporate world. I think we should celebrate just how diverse the field of nursing is through mentoring one another with the stories of our career journeys nothing is too mundane because each journey is unique. This podcast will showcase career options to encourage nurses to view their degrees with a business mindset. After all, we work in the healthcare business and ultimately I hope I might inspire you to make a change if you're looking for something different. I am motivated to see you live your best nursing life and that looks different for everyone. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast and let's get started with today's guest. Welcome to the Dr. Nurse Podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Trinice Goodlow. She is a graduate of Southern University. In 2010, she worked for years as a med surgery telemetry nurse and then enrolled for her DNP at the University of Arizona. And it looks like you are an adult geriatric? you care, yes. you yeah, care. So you're all of them. Graduated with that degree in 2017. What was your dissertation on? Just tell so, us. So
1: hypertension within the African American community, specifically JNC8 recommendations seven and eight. Or hypertension management.
0: Since 2018, she has worked as a cardiology nurse practitioner. And then in the summer of 2021, come on now, COVID launching businesses, <laughs> yes. she began um, her business as a nurse and nurse practitioner coach. Her business name is Dr. G the NP, and she hopes to help nurses and nurse practitioners master certain skills such as EKGs, understanding and treating, diagnosing, hypertension, and then cholesterol management. I am so happy to have her on to describe and and to share with us her journey to where she got to today. So thank you for coming on. Dr. Goodlow. let's take it from the top. What and how would you describe your current role? I've told them what you're doing, but really give us an idea of what your day-to-day looks like. Are you in the hospital some days and working on your business? Break it down for us.
1: I'm more than happy to break it down. Before I break it down, I want to thank you for having me on as a guest. I love your energy. I love everything that you're doing. So thank you, first off. So my day-to-day is, is a little... um crazy. I do work full-time as a cardiology nurse practitioner. I've been doing that for three. It's been quite a journey and quite an evolution. I'm also a professor part-time as well. I started being a professor about two years ago. And then of course I launched Dr. GDMP, as you stated, in summer of uh, 2021. So it's quite hectic. I'm First thing in the morning, I wake up first, I get our youngest son ready. And my husband gets the older two ready. Yes. Um, I get the baby ready. I go to the gym, then I go to clinic all day. Depending on the day, then I'll start grading papers or something like that. And then later on, I'll either lecture to a client, um, and then I lecture on the treadmill. People know who've taken my session before. I lecture on the treadmill. I like to walk. I try to get 13,000 steps in. Because I'm a proponent of, you have to be what you say, right? So if I'm telling patients that you need to walk 10,000 steps a day per the American Heart Association. I need to at least meet that or exceed that. I don't believe in telling folks to do things that you're not practicing yourself. So I'm known for lecturing on the treadmill. um, And I think I do a good
0: job. (laughs) I saw that video of you lecturing on the treadmill and I'm like, who is this? And she is working and working out at the same time. So I definitely wanted to hear your story and take me back. So, You're working as a cardiology NP. What do you see in walking through the door? Are you taking care of complex, like, heart failure type patients? Or are you doing kind of, like, basic hypertension management?
1: I see a a wide variety. I do deal with a lot of heart failure patients. uh, And I also see a lot of cardiomyopathy, whether it be ischemic, non-ischemic, dilated, hypertrophic, whatever. Of course, hypertension, um, which is near and dear to my heart. My lipid management skills have taken off. Um at this job. And I really enjoy managing lipids. It's very, very important to me to be proactive and preventative with patients. Other things that I manage, palpitations, arrhythmias, those sort of things. Everybody has swelling. Of course, we want to make sure they don't have heart failure, which is why they're swelling. We'll start working up PAD minorly and then maybe send it to vascular. Murmurs or carotid breweries had someone yesterday, he had a murmur and it was radiating up. I said, well, we need an ultrasound and carotid ultrasound. I think it's radiating, but we don't know if there's stenosis there too. That's kind of the meat and potatoes of what I do um, right there.
0: And then you're adjunct, so are you full-time faculty at a university? Oh no. (laughs)
1: Okay, I was like, my
0: goodness. Okay, (laughs) adjunct faculty?
1: Yes, I'm adjunct faculty. I've been doing that for two years. I'm actually on a small little hiatus right now because I'm trying to put more into my business. And the eventual goal is for me to leave the university. I acknowledge that I have the ability to teach. It's a gift that I have, and I want to really pursue that. The university was great because I get to connect with students, but I don't get to teach what I think is valuable. So my business allows me to teach what I know is not think. I know the skills that you need to be successful. And EKGs is certainly a big piece of what I do. Gotcha. We all know in undergrad, EKGs is a footnote at best. And well in grad said. school, I actually had a whole electrophysiology class, which I loved. But a lot of nurses don't get it. And I didn't they're think not
0: I have that. I never got that. Yeah.
1: And yeah. I know I can convey things in a simple manner. And I have people just taking off and being rock stars. And it makes me feel well to see their light bulb come on and give back to our pra- our, our profession. Every Friday night, I do a free lecture. I break down one EKG every Friday. via. What time do you do this? I do it at 8 p.m. Central okay. Time.
0: Okay. 8 and 8 is 8 this on Instagram that you're breaking this down? Where are you doing this?
1: I do it on Zoom. And so okay. I have a Facebook group, but I post the links on Instagram, on Facebook, okay. within my group. And you're giving me some inspiration right now uh, <laughs> about to, I should go do a live in addition to 100%. doing Zoom. So, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I need to put that into the works. I've been doing it for since mid October. Every Friday, unless it's like a holiday or something, I do it. This upcoming week, since this Friday is uh, New Year, uh, excuse me, Christmas Eve, I'm doing it on Thursday instead of Friday.
0: Okay. Do you um, walk during these these live, I these do, live
1: events? I do. Okay. I do walk during.
0: <laughs> About us. Okay. I so do. for your teaching and your adjunct, it sounds like, are you just working with nursing, nurse practitioner students or nursing students?
1: Nurse practitioner students. So my course is the first clinical course that they take. So I'm grading soap notes, okay. communicating with preceptors, that sort of thing.
0: And for your final, Dr. G, the NP... Like you said, you're breaking down. You're really explaining hypertension, cholesterol management, teaching people how to to do AKGs. What do they get when they sign up with you? What is something that you share?
1: Well, first and foremost, you get me. I do it live. It's interactive. Um, And in the beginning of the session, I like to know what kind of nurse or nurse practitioner you are and your background experience, because I like to individually cater Mm my interaction with you for so it's purposeful for you. Yeah. Um, So that's number one. Number two, I believe in Going um, slow, and I don't like big words. I like to break things down in a very simple manner because repetition builds confidence. Furthermore, I also teach things that you probably have never heard of, but the concepts are very important. For example, knowing how to name a QRS complex, knowing what a Q wave is, an R wave is, and an S wave is, because if you can do that, you can identify right bundle branches, left bundle branches left interior fascicular box, left posterior fascicular box, incomplete right bundles, and of course, old possible heart attack. It's all contingent on that.
0: Oh. So I walked
1: you through the progression of that. And again, I'm teaching you skills that you're just going to run with it. I I have two people right now, Caitlin and Kiana, and I know neither one of them would mind, mind you sharing. They have absolutely taken off. They come every Friday. I've done multiple private sessions with them. And last night it was funny. They were telling the people that were in the zoom, they were like, before they met me, like they could not, they were intimidated with EKGs. They kind of shied away from it, but they knew yeah. they needed it. And now they're up here asking me, they'll text me like, Hey, is this a left anterior fascicular block? And I'm like, look at you. Okay. <laughs> okay. I see you. And yeah. like, well, the way you explain it, it makes sense. It's just simple. And so I'm building in the foundation so that I can build people's confidence and knowledge. And like I said, I I know I have the ability to teach. I think that's a gift that I know that's a gift that I have. And that is really the foundation of Dr. GDMP, me connecting with people and taking them on this journey. Dr.
0: Goodlow, walk me through, how did you find that that was something that you had? That was a natural ability. How did you discover that?
1: Well, I should preface it by saying, one, I come from a family of teachers. Actually, mm. I'm the only non-tea, well, I'm a professor, so technically I'm a teacher. But you know what yeah. I mean? I didn't major in education. Everyone else in my family did, principals, teachers, all of that. So it's kind of, oh. it's, it's, it's in genetic. my blood.
0: It's genetic. Yeah. <laughs> it,
1: is, yeah. it is in my blood. Furthermore, when I was younger, I used to coach basketball. I'm a huge basketball mm. head. Uh, I love ball. I've coached. It's been awesome. But in regards to nursing, to be very specific, it really started with patients. And it was funny, my coworkers on the floor, they were jokingly messing with me. They'd say, man, Trinis is in there giving lessons to, to patients. I used to get on the whiteboard and if they had heart failure, I'd be like, okay, this is heart failure. This is your heart. This is the chamber that is having the problem. This is why you're on this medicine to make this be stronger and oh, get wow. you. So it, it started there and then it it um, evolved into me precepting nurse manager was like, Hey, I want you to start precepting new grads. And it was, it was fine. And I had great success with new grads and I keep in contact with some of the people I precepted to this day. It just kind of evolved. And then I ended up going back to school. And then when I was a brand new nurse practitioner, by the way, I still consider myself, I had a mentor tell me if you have less than five years experience, you're still new. Oh. So I do consider myself new, but I'm not brand new. Right. hmm Mm -hmm. Um, I always equate nursing to life, right? So I've been a cardiology nurse practitioner for three years. So a three-year-old can be potty trained. A three-year-old is talking. A three-year-old is communicative. A newborn- That's a good way of putting it. I like that. Yeah, you can't, you can't feed yourself. Can't change yourself. Can't do anything. (laughs) So I still acknowledge that I'm still a child, but I'm certainly more advanced than a newborn.
0: Yeah. And I'd like to add, you've been a nurse since 2010. Correct. So you've got experience with patient care, patient education, you know, patient management, because as nurses, even though we're not diagnosing per se, we still have to use our nursing diagnoses of, okay, I know this patient is, needs food. And like, there's things that we know intuitively that it's like he hasn't eaten all day. We got to make sure his electrolytes are stable and whatever, whatever. We understand those concepts because of our nursing background, which means we don't have as far to go, like you say, until we are walking a walking talking toddler it it doesn't take us as long because of where we come from right if you were a person that studied bugs before you became a nurse practitioner then yeah I mean you really are going to struggle but I think nurses do have a leg up when they go back and get their doctorates and they come back and they practice because we do we have seen a lot through our experience as nurses. So yes, I agree with you. Continue.
1: I will say my personal experience, and a lot of people are surprised when I make this statement. I'm going to make a controversial statement. Do
0: it, girl. Come on. It's the Dr. Nurse Podcast. Let's do it. (laughs) Controversy. Stir the pot. Uh,
1: Yeah, I'm going to make a controversial statement. I was unhappy being a nurse. I almost left nursing. Me going back to get my doctorate, that was a real crossroads for me in life. I was a nurse for four years before I went to grad school. And I was miserable the entire four years. I hated being a nurse. My husband's an engineer. And when I was in high school, you think about what you're going to major in. An engineer did cross my mind. And I was very good at math. And I actually have the ability to draw. So I'm like, maybe I should be a civil engineer. And so I was unhappy. I see him happy. He's an electrical engineer. I just was tired of being treated like trash. As a floor nurse, I was disrespected. Mind Mm. you, most people in this country don't even have a, a bachelor's degree let alone a doctorate. So the level of disrespect, I was treated as if I was a maid and I was incompetent. And I just had a very negative experience as a nurse. Yeah. So I thought to myself, what do I want to do? Do I want to start over and get another bachelor's degree and pursue something else? Or should I just see this thing through? So I'm not going to lie, what what altered my decision, initially I was going to get a master's. I found about programs that had BS in the DMP and I'm like, okay, for six more months, I can get a, a doctorate. So that kind of did it for me. Furthermore, I felt like I had more options if I was a combination with the doctorate and being a nurse practitioner. And at that point, I enjoyed cardiology. I knew that. So I said, okay, let me bite the bullet and let me do it. And I will admit it's been the best decision that I ever made to be so unhappy as a floor nurse and a regular nurse. I used to say I, have a, I had a dislike-hate relationship with nursing. Now wow. it's more of a like-dislike. Again,
0: you're still on the spectrum, though. That's, like, not all the I way. Am- you're not, like, love-like. If we're going to do, like, a liker at scale, like, less likely, more likely. You know what I'm saying? You're still kind of in the middle. Why do right. you think that is?
1: Nursing itself, let me tell you what I like about nursing. I like the options. I like the flexibility. I like that I could pick up one day and say, oh, I don't want to do cardiology anymore. I'm just going to go do this. I like having options and flexibility. That's very attractive to me. Despite me actually being a creature of habit, which is a little (laughs) weird juxtaposition that I'm a creature of habit, but like, you know,
0: you just like to know that that option is there. If I ever need to, I can, if I need to get up out of here, Right. I, I can get up out of here.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like you want to make sure you know where the exit is, right? Exactly. Like when you're in the room, you know where the exit is. If I need <laughs> yeah. to yeah, so yeah, that So yeah. that is attractive to me. That is one of the most attractive things about nursing to me. Plus, again, I'm teaching. There's other things that I can do. What I don't like about nursing, and it's inherently because of the societal norms and patriarchy and whatever you want to call it, sure, the negative side of nursing. For example, the view that nurses are subservient. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. The view that by the public that, oh, if you were a nurse, you tried to be a physician, but you failed. Ooh. So yeah. that's why you're a nurse, which I never tried to be a physician. I'm quite clear on that. Yeah, The thoughts that the physicians are your boss, the ones mm-hmm. that I work with are colleagues. They're not my boss. I know my boss's name and I can <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yes. I, I don't like that. I don't like the whole doctor thing because doctors, a level of education, it's, it's, it's an adjective. It's not a noun. I don't like nurse bullying and Mm. perpetuating that. So that's when I say I have a like, dislike, it's evolved to like, dislike versus dislike, hate relationship. I do like the, the practice I, I am. I'm blessed because I have a lot of autonomy. Texas, I'm in Texas. Texas is not a full practice state, but within my clinic, like you wouldn't oh. know it. The physicians that I work with are supportive and they help me grow and they're not micromanaging me. Like I they're there if I need them, but they're also not. Like well, you should you. have run it by yeah. me and you should it's it's not anything like that. So that's why I have those feelings. And I honestly don't think those feelings are gonna go away. Which is why I'm trying to carve no. my own path <laughs> in Dr. G D I so. like
0: that. I like that. And I, I love everything. I love how you shared ex- so poignantly exactly what your issues are. I feel like I need to spend a little more time with myself so I can figure out what my issues are because the way you just said it, I was like, that was well thought out. Like, <laughs> I like the way you described it because it's so true. Those are the issues and those are things that I identify with every single one of them. It's, it is so well said and they are issues but you know what the one thing that I think that keeps me coming back is like you said that flexibility and the options and that's why I think the podcast and what I'm trying to build here I really want nurses to be able to see all the options because if you Absolutely. are in that hate space that you can get yourself you can Absolutely. empower yourself to push yourself out of that you don't got to stay there you're not a victim let me show you how to get to a spot where you can go I'm in the hospital setting through things I do and do not like about it, but I'm also in this world where I feel like I have a level of autonomy. I feel like I have the power to create my own path. And that's also why I started the podcast for myself, because I Absolutely. began to feel that limiting effect of, wait, why is my boss a doctor just because he's an MD? I don't understand that. And you know, there's different things where you know you have to ask from a hospital to give you opportunities. And it just doesn't seem like it's a conducive environment to be able to grow in and of yourself. And so of your own will, if your own interest of your own push. And I think from a sports perspective as well, I mean, that's, if I want to get out there and shoot free throws all day long so that my free throws are the best, I should be able to do that without being told, well, we need you to go over here because we need you to fill this hole. It's like, but this is what I love. This is what I'm good at. Let me get good at this, you know? So it's just it's just really tough. And I I love the way you said it. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Let me add to that. Anybody who knows me knows I'm huge on clinical data and outcome data. The Institute of Medicine wrote a position paper back in 2010 stating nurse practitioners give equal, if not better care than physicians. Furthermore, there are over 3 million nurses in this country. So we make the biggest copulation, so to speak, true. of The healthcare world, so it's always interesting to me. Some of it is a patriarchy because nursing is a female dominated. dominated. Mm -hmm. Yep, Uh, correct. Um, Yep. And then when you have nurse bullying, the name escapes me of the nurse theorist who says this, but she basically she described it in the eighties or nineties. It's basically when you're in oppressed group, everyone feels bad. So within the oppression, I'm going to try to get power within that. So that's really like the child of nurse bullying. Because I'm oppressed, but I don't like it. So I'm going to make you feel worse. So I feel some type of power, even though I can't get up to the level that I want to get up to.
0: Yes. And um, my, I did an episode <laughs> with Dr. Jo Neal and I talked about that. It's almost like this cyclic behavior where like the abuse, then abuse, because we don't feel any power because of the system that we're in. We try to exert that power on the younger generation, the new nurses that are coming up. It's
1: awful. And then if you want to add another monkey rich and another element to oppression and, and bullying, then white women in this country make 78 cents per dollar of a white man. Women of color make about 63 cents per dollar of a white man. So you have socioeconomic ramifications and the wealth gap getting larger. So you cannot even get ahead. So yeah. to be a double minority in the situation, and in a sense, almost a triple minority because yes. nursing is seen as subservient. I'm not trying to turn this into a a bashing session by any means, but I also want to inspire people to know that despite all the obstacles, you can still be successful. And I have big plans for myself, my career, and I will be implementing them. And I am implementing them. People don't like that, right? The the, the inherent human nature is if I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to avoid being uncomfortable. But if you want to be great and you truly want to achieve oh, something, on, you have girl. to walk into that discomfort. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Be discom- yes. Uncomfortable. So I yeah. run to it. I lean into it. Before I started this six months ago, I'm like, oh, you don't know enough. You can't you can't teach EKGs because there's some stuff that you're shaky on. But when you look at it from just pull back, on a scale, if I know more than most of my colleagues, even though I may not be where I want to be, I still have the tools to teach and connect with people.
0: And that's, and that is a really big, huge point that I want to sit on for a second. It's like, okay, because you're an expert. And so you do see the nuances in what you know, but compared to the rest of the world, you are an expert. And so that's, that's what right. I want nurses to see is that, yes, you may not know everything about for my case, urology, but compared right. to the rest of the world, I do know a lot about urology. And so being confident and seeing that in yourself and that you do have something to give back, despite what you may think. And that, I guess it's myopic view is, is critical. And it's the, Absolutely. It is how you can break out. And again, get really singularly focused on something, focus, become an expert on something a hundred percent, but still don't forget you can actually teach that. Whatever it is that you know, you can actually disseminate that information, and you can show yourself as an expert because you are. Um, I think I read somewhere that if you have read more than three books on a subject, you are more of an expert than anybody else in oh, wow. you know, in that field. And wow. so, yeah, and it's and it's interesting. I don't know how many books you read in your DNP program, but I read more than three books. So <laughs> I think we got something <laughs> to share, something to talk about. Um, right. Thank you for walking us through your journey and everything that you've gone through to get to where you are today. And as you've been going through this journey, can you share with us a specific challenge that you remember that you can say, you know what, this was really tough, but I overcame it.
1: I'll take you back to when I was in the latter part of my DMP years. I needed a site. I needed a clinical site to do my research. For your project. Yeah, I needed a site. And that was hellacious to say the least. Also, sidebar, I'm the only person that I personally know who had to get on a plane to get clinical hours because I was flying back and forth. I was in Arizona. I was in Albuquerque. I live in Dallas. And then the latter part, I did Dallas and Houston. But the bulk of my hours was in Phoenix and Albuquerque.
0: I've never heard of anyone doing this. That's nuts.
1: Right. So I had challenges to get my hours, but I made it happen. Now, the DMP situation, I had to get creative. I was kind of in between jobs. And when I left the floor, I promised myself I would never go back. I didn't like the floor. I was miserable. I just, you know, I said, that chapter, dead. <laughs> right. That chapter is closed. So that's when I kind of started teaching. Really, I got into MA school. And then eventually I started teaching at an ADN, ADN program. Okay. So I was at an ADN program for a very brief time. Can you tell me
0: what an ADN program is?
1: The associate's degree in nursing.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Two-year nursing program. Okay. So I was teaching there because I already had my BSN.
0: I was going to say, you've got your BSN in 2010, right? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So this was around 2016-ish when I was, like I said, in the midst of the DMP. I was on the research side. I had finished clinical. Yeah. So anyway, um, I was working at this school teaching in that program. And I was there briefly. I, I quit very quickly because I needed a DMP site. And I was thinking, okay, they have clinical sites. I can hook up at a clinical site with the students because I was faculty and do my research there and it worked out. It didn't work out that way. And so I ended up applying for another job as a nurse educator at a hospital. And when I was interviewing, I said, will I be allowed to do my DNP project here? And they told me, yes. So I literally quit that job. So I would have a site because I had invested too much flying across the country and all of that. And to have my education halted because I didn't have a site. So like I wow. said,
0: wow, I'm sure they loved you. I'm sure they just, love that you come in like, I want to do research here. You know, that's cool.
1: Yeah. So the stars aligned and God definitely has a plan. So I was yeah. at that job. I was a nurse educator, but I I will admit my motivation for the job was to graduate because you spend so yeah. much time. Obviously I was a med surge educator and that was fine. I stayed there a year and a half. I really stayed there longer than I really should because yeah. I had graduated and everything, but I wasn't rushing to get a job. I was trying to get my sure. Pretty. Set. plus we were in the middle of having our second kid at the time so i wasn't like
0: you did rushing. all this while having babies girl well you're a beast.
1: so i told my friend she laughs at me so real quick i graduated in 2017 okay, okay? what i'm gonna tell you is crazy so hold on to your seat <laughs> i got pregnant in 2014 we have in 2015 so I timed it to where we had him and then he was like six months old or whatever. And then I, I left cause I was traveling for clinical. I was flying back and forth. Yeah. We had our second son in 2017. So I was working full time as a nurse educator. I was in t- school full time working on my research. We actually had a small business called best drinks ever. We were doing alcoholic catering. We had a suite. We had a TABC license, liquor liability insurance. We had everything. I was wow. pregnant. Like I said, school full-time, nurse educator, business, I was pregnant. Then I defended my dissertation. That went fine. I had him a week after I defended.
0: Oh my god. Then I
1: after I had him 2 weeks later, I got on a plane to fly across to go back to Arizona to graduate. And when I graduated, they gave me the award for the most vulnerable population for my research. So, I look back at that chunk in my life. We had the business for two years from 2016 to 2018. Oh my gosh. Um, So it was kind of a whirlwind. And people always ask me, how do you be pregnant, work full-time, school full-time, run a business, have a toddler?
0: Yeah. What what you taking? (laughs) What is that?
1: And I have two answers to that. Well, one comment and two answers. One, I hope to serve as an inspiration because Mm -hmm. there are no limits. Two, I am very, very good at compartmentalizing. So if I'm at school, I'm at school. I'm literally not thinking about anything else. I'm filming this podcast with you right now. I'm completely focused and locked in. I have other things I have to do, but whatever I'm doing, I'm committing. So one, be good at compartmentalizing. Two, the second key to being able to do everything that I did was I'm pretty stubborn. And I know that about myself. So I... I understand that there's a fine line between being stubborn and being crazy. And I definitely <laughs> teeter that line. Um, but I also, <laughs> I also know what I want. I'm not a person who's kind of scatterbrained, like, oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I'm very methodical. Like, I see something, I want it, and I'm willing to take the steps to get it. Yeah. I will say that I'm on the side of stubborn and not crazy, because it was <laughs> planned. Everything was planned. Yes. So it wasn't. We knew what we were. Shout know. out to all the spouses out there that support, because I certainly couldn't have done it without my husband. And yeah. I tell him, who's crazier, me for what the ideas, or you, Are you for going, going along with it? it? <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Um, That's but really that was cool. the, that was the craziest, most challenging time. Those two years with the grad school, we had a contractor yeah. who stole money from us. Like it was, but wow. the the lessons, the business lessons I learned, I'm applying to Dr. G. Life is funny. When, so I started at one school for undergrad, I wasn't happy there. And I went to another school when I started at the other school, I was actually a double major for a hot second, nursing and marketing, because I always knew I wanted to do something with business always. I didn't survive. I couldn't do double major nursing. So I, I dropped the marketing, but it's funny how life comes back around and it was always in me to do business. It was always in my heart. Dr. G was not a whim. It was thought out. It was meant to be just like my other business, which you learn more in failure than you do success. And I'm taking those lessons, those expensive lessons (laughs) lessons. in Best Drinks Ever and applying it here. Shout out to Best Drinks Ever. We actually left the corporation open because we may want to revisit it. We did rename it. Yeah. We renamed the corporation to BAR, B-A-R is an acronym for Best Alcohol Resurrected if we huh, want to come back that
0: door open or yes, all you options cracked.
1: yeah options. I tell you I'm all about options
0: yeah that's um, awesome so
1: I'm in a season at life right now where I'm very excited but I'm also grinding my goal if I could have anything I wanted Dr. G would be my full-time job and being a cardiology MP would be my part-time job I actually wouldn't mind continuing being a professor but my problem with being a professor is I'm told what I need to teach Yeah, there's one time in the term where they allow me to do a case study and I can do it on whatever I want. And I get so much feedback from the students. They're like, can we do these all the time? It kind of they inspired me to start Dr. G because I'm like, I can do these case studies. I can like I'm teaching you what you need to know. Mm -hmm. So that's my version of perfect is Dr. G full time cardiology MP part time and really touring at different universities and giving my lectures because, like I said, I know I'm effective.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I I love that. I love your vision. I love that you've got you've got a goal. Again, like you said, I like how you're being intentional. You're not wasting time, you're not wasting your energy. You are moving with intention. And I think that that's really big. Because I think there's an element where it's like with nursing, I'm really big about being present. I think you described that a little bit too, that when you're in something, be present, be there. But then there's also outside of that being intentional with the things that you're doing. See, again, the forest through the trees analogy and see where you're going and make sure that this is aligning with what you want in life. And I think that that is the biggest flex is that you live this life that, aligns with the things that are important to you, which is, I like being my own boss. I like being able to push myself to be able to teach the things I want to teach, to be able to put it in a way that I want to put it, have nobody tell me getting rid of a level of overhead with the way you want to teach. And then also keeping your foot in your, in the world of, of nurse practitioning because I actually feel the same way. I love what I do as a nurse practitioner and doing procedures. I, I get to work out of overflow and not out of a sucking, Burned out position, and I get to do that, and then I get to do this other thing that I really enjoy. That's for me, and I really love how you split that up, and I like where you're going with your career. I think it's really
1: cool. I really, I really appreciate do. that. I, I always really joke do. and tell people they're like, "Oh, you're going to be a nurse practitioner forever," and I'm like, "Well, it is called Dr. G, the NP."
0: <laughs> I think being a nurse practitioner is one of the greatest jobs, hands down.
1: Absolutely, and
0: I really love what we are able to do. And I think that more nurses, again, seek it out, make sure it's something that you're passionate about. Cause I just don't think you should go just to go again with that intention. You can be a nurse and be able to have a beautiful career. So it does not have anything to do with it. If you're seeking that next level, then it really does do
1: a really good job of giving you the opportunity to build that. I would let people know is you have to be open. When I was an undergrad, if somebody would have told me I would have been a nurse practitioner, I would have laughed in their face. I remember my mom telling me about being a nurse practitioner back in undergrad. And I told her, I, was like, I do not want to be a nurse practitioner. Stop. Like, yeah. um, I thought I was going to be a pediatric nurse. That's what I thought I was going to be. But what changed my mind is I had a clinical rotation in PEDS. We get to the floor. I see all these sick kids. One little girl had a shunt in her head. This other little boy, liver failure. His stomach is huge. Like, it broke my heart. And I was like, I cannot do this. Like, I was very clear after that day. That I would never do pediatrics because I my heart just couldn't handle it. Yeah, and the ironic part about cardiology, I hated cards. Oh my god, that test in <laughs> undergrad. I was like, we're gonna not talk about that experience. They had to curve the <laughs> grades so much because everybody did so bad. You should but
0: teach that class.
1: Whenever I should. That- I should now. I always tell younger nurses, even younger high school students or whatever set in my end, you have to be open because if you say, well, I want to do this. I'm not saying it's not good to have a goal and you shouldn't shoot for that goal, but you're going to end up missing your blessing if you're so laser focused on something, mm-hmm. trying to put a square peg through a round hole. Sometimes things you think will work, yes. it doesn't work. Yes. And so, you know, in that regard, that's being foolish rather than shifting because remember, yeah. you have to be adaptable. If yeah. nursing isn't anything, it's adaptable. Life. Life is adaptable and being flexible. So you have to be able to apply those principles. And I'm happy that I was able to see that pediatrics was not for me. I gave cardiology a second chance. It's actually funny. What I assumed, and this is an undergrad, I assumed that nurses knew how to read EKGs. It was news to me that nurses didn't know how to read EKG. I was a brand new nurse in the bayous of Louisiana, first job, night job. And I'm standing behind the teletech at 4 a.m. And I'm just looking at all the strips. And she's like, hey, do you want to learn how to read EKGs or read telestrips? And I was like, is that something a nurse needs to know how to do? And she looked at me. She's like, nurses don't know how to read strips. I said, what? She's like, yeah, they don't know how to read them. I was like, well, I'm going to be a nurse who can read strips. Fast forward mm. to my last job on the floor. I was getting report from somebody. Long story short, she's like, yeah, the patient's been in sinus rhythm all night. Well, I looked up at the telemonitor. I said, well, that looks like a first degree in a bundle branch block to me. Just on the telemonitor. So I looked at her 12 lead and her 12 lead looked like perfect sinus rhythm. And I'm like, well, this doesn't look like that to me. Go check on the patient. She's doing fine. Tell the tech to get some vitals. I call internal medicine, tell him. He's like, I don't know. You need to call cardiology. I called cardiology. medicine you to call? Yeah, he, yeah he, he told me he didn't know. He's like, I don't know. Call cardiology. I said, fine. Call cardiology. He's like, get another 12 lead. Cool. Get another 12 lead. The new 12 lead did not look like the original 12 lead. It looked like the telemonitor with the first degree in the bundle branch block. Now, mind you, in those days, I didn't know what a left anterior fascicular block was I'm much more skilled now than I was back then, but I, 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 I had more knowledge than my peers. I'll just say that. So I said, okay, he comes up he's like, I'm going to go see the patient. Okay, fine. He goes in the room. He physically wheels the patient away. I never saw the lady ever again in life. Like she could walk in front of me. I couldn't tell you what she looked like. So a few weeks later, I saw him in the elevator and i said hey um i said what happened to that lady he had to think for a second he was like, oh yeah i remember who you're talking about she had a small heart attack good catch and he walked away so i was like i was like man i was like i felt pretty good that day (laughs) that's amazing yeah i told my nurse manager what happened and she had been on me She was like, Traneesh, you need to go back to school. Traneesh, you need to go back to school. I wasn't trying to hear that. I was a newlywed. I was on some other stuff. I was trying to, I was just, it was another life, you know. I was worried about all that. I was precepting somebody. We actually had caught a stroke too on the floor. And she kept telling me, she's like, Traneesh, you need to go back. You keep getting stuff. And so Mm. it was the heart attack that did it for me. And again, to that point, I was always teaching other nurses, like EKGs. I was precepting. I was really into the heart. So that, the heart attack thing did it for me. And I haven't looked back since. And yeah. I know unequivocally I'm where I need to be. I'm still growing and learning in my practice, 100%. But I know, I know that I can do this. Like I know I can.
0: Oh, you are incredible. You're incredible. Any <laughs> mentors along your way that helped you in your journey that you want to shout out?
1: To shout out my nurse manager at my last job. I was at that job the longest. I was there almost two and a half years. She saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. She always told me to go back to school like always unequivocally and to this day when I talk to her I thank her because I really I just didn't see it like Mm. I I just didn't she saw something in me that I didn't see but then when things started happening it kind of propelled me in that direction I was the go-to preceptor on the floor new grad she was gonna put them with me 100% Mm. I remember one time our charge nurse called off and she's like okay you're gonna be charge nurse today and I was like what she's like "No, no no you'll be fine She's like, I'll be here if you need help, but you'll be fine. Like she always believed she made me uncomfortable. Yeah. And you have to be uncomfortable to grow and really be your your ultimate self. That's full circle
0: right there. That's full circle. Yep.
1: Absolutely. And when I talk to my students, I try to push them. I know the concepts I talk about may make them uncomfortable and I ask questions, but I believe in talking with people, not at people.
0: Hmm. When
1: I lecture, that's why I want to learn about you and actually your experiences and what you think. Because you connect better in a conversation than you do being spoken at. Yeah. Um But unequivocally, my nurse manager, she was the one driving force that has gotten me here. She started it all. She really. What was did. her
0: name? Do you want to give her a Cindy. shout out? Cindy. Cindy. Cindy yeah. Doctor yeah. Goodlow appreciates you, and you made a difference. So keep. Keep looking for good nurses and promoting them because you're
1: you're good at it. I think she's retired now. Oh,
0: Cindy, come back to work. (laughs) Cindy's not coming back. She ain't coming back. back. All right. For the final question, we've got a new nurse. She just got her degree and, you know, she's wondering, what am I going to do with my life? I don't know where to start. I don't know what to think about. What is something that you wish you would have known at
1: the beginning of your career? that Ooh. you feel like she needs to know today. That's a great question. In the very beginning I would tell her don't be don't be afraid to fail. Hmm. Because as nurses and again as educated people, right? I think sometimes there's this disillusion and that's what really irritates me about the subservient culture with nursing. Guys, we at least have college degrees you do realize the average person is not college educated mm-hmm. and i don't like the subservient nature that lpns are addressed in because that's yeah. ridiculous yeah so the fact that you have a degree you are a head of the curb
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay that's number one Number two, when I say don't be afraid to fail, it's more of don't be afraid to try things and they not work. And then also to quote the 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 late great Dr. Maya Angelou, when people show you who, are, who they are the first time, believe them, hmm. right? And so you can translate that into career. For example, with me in pediatrics, I had a bad experience. I couldn't handle it. That didn't mean to keep yeah, yeah, you felt bad and you didn't like seeing those sick kids, but you got to be that pediatric. No, if it doesn't work, let yeah. it go.
0: Yeah. I also had a very similar feeling about pediatrics. So that's why I'm an adult nurse practitioner. I purposely chose, I did not want to be a family nurse practitioner. I did not want to ever che- treat children. Absolutely. I knew that. And it sounds like Me you too. were in the same mindset. Right. I I was intentional in that. Um, right. And so I... It sounds like what if, if you had the same feeling that I did, it was like, my soul does not align with this. Like, do you know there's certain things that light you up? Like you say, like, I was born to teach. Like, I I had that gifting. I know that. And again, for me, I know that I'm gifted in procedures. I know that that's my gifting. I feel good when I'm doing it. I feel like this is a flow state for me. It is out of just this energy that I feel very, very much like I was designed for this. And Absolutely. And that is something that I I agree with you 100% that when you look at something and you're like, this don't sit right in here. Like, this is not just a mindset thing. This is not just like, this is hard. And so I need, it's like, no, 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 my soul does not align with this. That is when you need to shift. That is when you need to pivot. And so that is beautifully said. I think that is a great piece of advice for a nurse to hear. Alrighty. So the last part of the interview is the rapid fire questions, questions, questions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> can you do that again
1: <laughs> the rabbit
0: fire questions questions, questions,
1: questions. <laughs> <There he is. laughs> sorry i'm silly so, it's no, 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 you're
0: good. so what is something that you will not be doing in 10 years come on with it
1: oh as bad as it sounds teaching at the university okay as as an adjunct faculty like i said i personally would love to be a guest speaker and i remember in undergrad they had guest speakers and stuff all the time i'm yeah. totally down for that but i mean be a part of a curriculum that either one i didn't help design or my input was put in so I like unequivocally that. i will likely not be an adjunct professor in 10 years
0: okay and how do you like your eggs cooked Scrambled scrambled. Okay, I that do. was the oh. thing. I should probably ask people because some people are those like when, when I asked that to somebody, she's like, "I don't eat eggs." I was like, "Okay, terrible question." No, they're um, great
1: protein. They taste great. <laughs> know, you know. I love weights. I need the eggs. Matter of yeah. fact, I make protein pancakes with egg with um egg whites in them. But
0: mm, that um, sounds good.
1: Yeah, that sounds yeah.
0: real good. Like some, but like bodybuilding stuff. That's good. Yeah. And what's a book you're currently reading? I mean, on top of getting up 13,000 steps, working as an MP, working as an adjunct, taking care of your kids, being a mama, because I have a feeling you're super intentional with your children. On top of that, are you reading any books?
1: For pleasure or work? I'm going to answer a question with a question. Believe it or not, I don't like reading. I know that sounds really bad. I don't. Okay. People look at me strangely if they like, but you have a doctorate degree. I'm like, I don't like to read. Sorry. (laughs) Disappoint you. I do not read for pleasure. Sorry. I don't, okay. I'm not a book person. Okay. As far as in my professional career, my favorite book is my electrophysiology. Mm. Some of my clients told me there's an updated version. There's a seventh edition. I might go and get it. It is a Goldbergers electrophysiology. I don't know the exact title. I just okay. call it my electrophysiology book. Okay. It's great though. I have it on my Instagram. I posted it a couple times. It's great because you can hold the book in one hand
0: mm. and it
1: bends. Yeah. So it's not a big, thick you know what I'm trying to say. It's yeah. a digestible book. It's my go-to. And I got it in grad school. And I absolutely love that book to pieces. I do.
0: There it is. That's that's your book. That's what you read. Beautiful. Yes. Well, Dr. Goodlow, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your candor and your vulnerability and your openness and sharing so much of what needed to be said with our listeners and Where can people find you? Where can they check you out? Yeah, I want to hear about what you're doing. I want to know where we can find you so that we can take your course. Where does that all happen for you?
1: Well, I am accessible in a multitude of ways. And I pride myself on being accessible and responding quickly. So I'm on Instagram, which is how, you know, you and I connected. So Instagram is Dr. G, the MP. There's no period, just D-R-T-H-E, you know, Dr. G, the MP. That's one way. Second way is on my Facebook group. It's called Dr. G, the MP's group guidance
0: mm. for nurses
1: and nurse practitioners. I have about 2,800 people in the group. That's where I post my EKG of the week. And then I put the interpretation. The, I post the EKG of the week on Wednesdays. I put the interp on Friday and that's after the live session. So live sessions on Friday nights and then the post uh, is like an hour or so later. I put the tip of the week up there too and other things. I really am trying to grow the group. So please join the group. Okay. How else can you reach me? Just Dr. Gdmp, and that does have a period. So Dr. Dr. Period the you know the rest on Facebook, email contact at DrGmp.com. dot com. No period that time. So just contact at drgdmp dot com. And my website is drgdmp dot com. Awesome.
0: They've got multiple sources to find you and sign up. And you do classes, and you do. So if you sign up, do you sign up for like a lecture program where you kind of you know have 12 weeks of lectures or how does your how's your business
1: structured so i book one lecture at a time and it depends on the topic my entry level is anatomy of an ekg so i teach some things to look for we go over qrs morphology that sort of thing ekg 100 is building comfort and confidence some simpler strips but again showing you the process and how you build in that repetition ekg 101 is focusing on incomplete right bundles and right bundle branch blocks I throw a little bit of LVH in there too, left ventricular hypertrophy. The number one cause of LVH is hypertension. And I always tell nurses or nurse practitioners specifically, if you get a patient in clinic and you never saw them before and the blood pressure is high, right? You think about white coat, they're nervous first time. Of course you check it again, say it's still high. Well, what's what's one of the determining factors? If I get an EKG on you and you have LVH voltage and you're new, I'm probably going to put you on medicine because LVH vultures occurs over time. This isn't just a one off. Huh. So, that's one and one way just, that I use.
0: And that's a detrimental effect of having a persistently high high blood pressure is that this LVH shows up on an EKG.
1: Yes, absolutely. Interesting.
0: So, so I teach that That's good to know, because when I see patients in clinic and they'll come in for a procedure, we take their blood pressure and I've seen their blood pressures that have been 150 over 90. And they're like, well, doc, I'm nervous to see you. And I'm like, "Okay, well, then let's take let's let's just I'll let you sit out in the waiting room. I'll check it again later and we'll come back. It'll still be high. 155 over 100 or 95 and i'm like this is a high blood pressure so right. i'm really going to start pushing for those patients to go down to the ed and get an ekg like right. because they're like well i didn't take my meds doctor you know the whatever they'll they'll say yeah a, the same yeah right.
1: they'll say a bunch so,
0: that's really right. interesting
1: i love so, by the way lvh criteria there's over 50 criteria for lvh i certainly don't know all 50 I actually know three Wow. Um, so it's quite involved. But again, I do it in a fun So that's EKG 101. EKG 102, I focus on the left side. So left anterior fascicular box, left posterior fascicular box, and left bundle branch blocks. So by the end of the course, you're able to identify all these blocks and whatnot. I'm looking at doing another course where I talk about old heart attacks. I've done some old heart attacks in the live Zoom, so I don't have like a set yeah. course on it. And then I have another one I'm working on, anything but sinus rhythm. Whether it's a paced rhythm, a junctional rhythm, AFib, you know, kind of
0: that's cool. Getting
1: things up, so I'm I'm trying to evolve with more courses, but right now I have those solid four courses and EKGs that people really really like. Of course, I have my hypertension, which is awesome, and I talk about LVH mm-hmm. and hypertension, and then cholesterol management because again, we don't just have statins here. We have yeah. Zetia, we have PCSK9 inhibitors, and the latest and greatest is now Bempedoic Acid. So I like to talk about those options as well, the clinical outcome data and why you do what you do.
0: Amazing. Guys, check her out on Instagram, Facebook, her website, email her, sign up for her classes, stay educated, stay smart, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. And thank you, Dr. Goodlove, for your time.
1: Take Anytime, care, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: We are at the end of our time together. I really enjoyed the chat. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and leave us a review if you like the show. I would love to get five stars. The Dr. Nurse Podcast is on Instagram, so please follow us there for any updates on new podcasts and inspirational information to help you on your own journey. You could always message me at the Dr. Nurse Podcast at gmail.com with any career information or professions that you're interested in hearing about. And as always, thanks for listening. I want to thank my biggest fan supporter on Patreon, Kevin Pryor, for your support of this podcast. If you love this podcast and want to throw some support my way, I would greatly appreciate it. My link is in the show notes. And just a reminder, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only, and the information should not be used in substitute for professional care by a medical provider. The information in this podcast does not represent medical or other professional advice or services.